Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on a Thursday. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash presented by Orion Sports Medicine. Welcome in. How are you? We got three full hours coming your way, and we got a lot to get into. We have our over-under, little NBA playoffs, little college football, little, well, there's a new professional football league, or kind of new, a returning one. We'll talk about all that coming up around the corner. Shushef, uh, Duke's head basketball coach, Mike Shashevsky, of course, yesterday made headlines because he announced he's going to call it a career mm-hmm. after this upcoming season. Um, he made an interesting quote, like, because right away, remember yesterday I said that I, I believe that, uh, although I don't think that he's only doing this because of this, that I believe one of the main reasons contributing to him kind of, you know, leaving the game is because of the transfer portal just absolutely taking off the way that it has over the last couple of years. Uh, there is an adjustment that has to be made to that for coaches who have been used to uh, mapping out their program and their roster structure two to three years out. You no longer are doing that. You are li- like I think college coaches are dealing with um, juggling rosters more than NBA coaches are. Like the NBA, you at least know who your core is for based on contracts. I know contracts mean technically nothing, but you know what I mean. Like you at least know who your core is going to be for a while. Coach K, these great coaches who are used to knowing who their freshmen and sophomores and juniors and seniors were going to be for the next two, three, four years, they have no clue because now you're balancing the transfer portal along with the one and duns, which Coach K has adjusted to the one and duns and has found a way to make it work. He did it better probably, I think, than most because he found a way to balance it to where Coach uh, Calipari, Kev, was all about the, the one and duns, point guard, guard, forward, you know, center. What You know what I mean? Like, he, he, his whole roster was nothing but one and duns. Come one, come all. And that was his approach. And I, and that's, it hasn't worked. He's won one national championship, which, of course, you could say if it gets you one national championship, there are great coaches who are still looking for, for one right now. Um, but uh, Coach Krzyzewski did it better than anybody else because he found a way, and Roy Williams did the same thing. We're going to mix our one and done. We're going to find our one and dones, uh, and we're going to build around those one and dones. But we got to make sure that if we're going to bring in one and dones, that means we're bringing in 18-year-old kids who go from eating in a high school cafeteria one year to playing in a sold-out Cameron Indoor, potentially playing in a Final Four National Championship 365 days later. That's that's tough to do if you have all freshmen. Mm-hmm. There's no one there to show them the ropes. There's only so much a coach can can prepare you for um, for those type of moments. You need some kind of stability out on the floor, guys who have been there, guys who have been through the battle, the grind, the fight, who know how to do it. You can't have four guys of your start. You can't have four to five guys in your starting five all out on the floor at the same time in the Final Four or the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight in a huge tournament atmosphere and have all 17, 18-year-olds who are looking at each other like, holy crap, this is unlike anything we've experienced before. Coach K acknowledged that, and he found the perfect blend of him, and him and Roy Williams did it perfectly. Uh, Bayham was doing the same thing, too, to be honest with you, until really started kind of getting to the point where they had the sanctions and everything, losing some scholarships. That doesn't that's set them back a bit. But doing a great job of saying, we're going to have two to three of our one-and-done guys, but, man, we're going to have two to three-year guys kind of building around them. We're going to kind of pad it a bit, uh, provide a little bit of a bumper. You know, if you ever bowled with bumpers, you know, sure, you're hoping that you won't need the bumpers. You're hoping that when you throw that ball, that when you roll that ball, it's going to go right down the middle, you're going to hit all ten pins, and you're going to get a strike, (laughs) and you didn't even need the bumpers. But if something goes a little crazy... Those bumpers are going to kind of keep you in line a little bit. Right. And it was the bumper approach for Coach Shashevsky. I just came up with that analogy right there on the spot. I feel pretty damn good about it. How is all of you doing today? That's how they did it, and it worked, Kev. Like, yeah. um, and, and that's what's amazing. But Coach K today was asked about why. Why now? Why are you retiring now? Now, he says, well... I want to spend more time with my family. I'm like, you've been a basketball lifer for 50 years. No offense. I will never say these guys don't care about their family, but basketball is just as much a part of their lives 
as it is his life. Like, it's their life. So I'm not saying I don't believe that, but, like, I, you know, he did bring up a good point. They're both, him and his wife, are going to be turning 75 by the end of next basketball season. Um, and so, you know, hoping that they live to 11, three-fourths of the way through his basketball. They're hoping to enjoy the last fourth of their life together, and, and I believe that. But he did acknowledge, someone said, well, is it because of the way, you know, the way that the game has changed. He said, no, has nothing to do with the game changing, although it is a complete mess. <laughs> so, yes, I do believe that is why he is stepping up partially. There is not one particular, I think family is the core of it, and then I think you could start spider webbing out with some of the other reasons. I just thought the, the press conference was interesting. I loved hearing about his succession plan, of course, with Shire, uh, Shmi- what the heck's his name? Uh, John Shire. Uh, Shire taking over. Um, he said that the reason he was adamant, he says that he was very well aware that he was going to most likely get some criticism for naming a coach right away. He just said, look, you people can be upset with that all they want, but this this is called good business. He goes, uh, no other line of work does a president of a company just retire and then you start looking to replace them. Like there is always a next person in waiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said that that's just, you know, that has been his philosophy that he learned when, you know, back to his military days. Uh, and he's taken that same philosophy in to how they wanted to approach this and for folks out there complaining we have witnessed it work this is actually very similar minus the the drama to what we saw with ohio state and urban meyer now coach k is a way better basketball coach than urban meyer is a football coach but both are one of the greatest of all time in their particular in their particular sports but you know what i mean kept like Urban Meyer announced that he was going to be done at the end of well, technically he did that after the regular season, and then there was the build of the month up to the Rose Bowl, correct? Like when did he initially announce he was going to be done? Wasn't it towards the end of the season, or was it after the regular season? It was after the regular season. It was after the. I was believe it was after the Big Ten championship game. So then that's when the but that that was done purposely to button up. Recruiting yeah, to, after recruiting, yeah, to uh, get Ryan Day yeah. in there to to allow and then again to put Ryan Day up on that pedestal to make sure that, hey, although he's never been a head coach before, he's kind of navigated us through some rocky waters going back to the three games that he was the interim coach for during right. urban suspension and the way that they were able to get through that. So we've seen teams do this all the time. I, I just it's funny looking at some of the comparisons between how Duke is doing this and how Ohio State did it, although there were outside circumstances leading to Ohio State's shift in direction versus what Duke is doing. Uh, but overall, good press conference, answered a lot of questions. I still don't believe that today's game is why he is not retiring. I do believe that is why. I just don't think it's the central reason. But I think if you have a pie chart, I'd say I'd give it about 40%. For the game to, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Like I've said, I have no pro- I mean, if that's what he says, that's what he says. I, mm-hmm. People want to find a reason to beat up on him. But man, you know, he's a, the, the, the conference started with one of those dad jokes. One of those mm-hmm. really weird, uncomfortable jokes. You know, we always call, you know, Michael's the GOAT. No, LeBron's the GOAT. Um, you, you know, we always use the word GOAT, right? The greatest of all time. Right. I don't think Coach Krzyzewski understands what GOAT means. Because <laughs> he, he tried to make a joke. I'm assuming he knows what GOAT means. But he, he goes on to say uh, that, you know, he goes, you know, my athletic director, my friend, Kevin White, comes up here and calls me a GOAT. Ha ha. Ha 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 ha. I was glad that he didn't call me a donkey. Ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, what is – that is so, like, cheesy, man. That is so cheesy. It's I just think, like that, – that's the dude recruiting right there. <laughs> in his day, in his day, goat meant something else. I believe goat meant uh, Animal. the scapegoat. Like, wow. That's and what he meant. Maybe and, maybe and, that's and, what he is right now. We just don't know it. <laughs> and, and, and to your point, it's still a bad dad joke. And, I mean, oh, yeah. it, it's a bad joke. I didn't hear it until you told me about it. I went and watched part of it before the show started. And you could hear a pin drop when he dropped that joke. It was maybe 
I don't know. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. It was a bad joke. I make jokes it all the time land. that fall flat, so I, I could relate to it. That's the only time I felt like Coach K for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but for me with Coach K, you know, there's nothing but uh, respect for him as a basketball coach. And, you know, it, it could be a little bit of both. It could be, yeah, man, I, I want to spend my golden years with, with my wife and hang out with my grandkids and do all these cool things that I really don't have too much time for because I'm coaching and, every, and recruiting and everything like that. But I do believe that a small part of it is the way, you know, the game is changing. But, you know, the game is always going to change. And that's why we I, we talked about new blood in coaching and everything like that. And that's why it's so important because the game is always going to change because some of our older listeners can remember in the 90s on the college football team, you could have 100 scholarships. Nebraska was rolling out there with backups to the backups that are five-star recruits. You can't do that anymore. They snipped the uh, scholarship What's limit down. What's it down to now? Like 50? I believe it is down to 70. Oh, it's that? It's still, oh, okay, that's higher than I thought. Why did I say 50? That's, uh, I said uh, fi- NFL. NFL. Oh, I'm getting all the roster <laughs> caps off. Okay, ignore but, that, but yeah. But yeah, or no, 85 scholarships. It's 85 scholarships. So you got an 85, used to be 100, and back in the 70s, like it was like 150. So these small things that constantly change over time, you know, it... We, as people, have to realize, like, all right, man, these coaches aren't going to coach forever. And at some point, we're always going to be that person that we were back in the day. Like, stuff, like, is always going to irritate us about how things change. Like, uh, I know how you are about the jerseys. Like, you want the home team to wear white jerseys. That still ticks me off. You know what I'm saying? And, like, um, for instance, uh, um, there's a ton of other things. Like, it it just is what it is. So, for me... It, it is nothing that says America like a rich man telling other people that I don't like it. I'm taking my ball and going home. That's what it felt like to me yesterday when I started really digging into things because I didn't get a chance to read the whole articles and get like some type of feedback. He says this isn't 100 percent why, but there's a lot of inkling out there about, you know, the um what are they calling it? Uh, the the player likeness. He's not a fan of that and everything like that. So it's just like it it irks me. It it really irks me that you know a person that has has made a living, has created generate generational wealth for himself and his family, is sticking his nose up at other people trying to create some type of wealth for themselves. And I just think that you know a new guard, a new way of doing things. Is perfectly fine. I can respect Coach K and disagree with him at the same time. See, I disagree with that only because in our everyday jobs, I've worked with salespeople who, and let's use media as an example. Um, We all know that the world of print has dramatically changed. I know a ton of reporters and writers who have just said, you know what, this isn't for me anymore because it went from strictly writing to have your work printed to now you have you know deadlines to not only get your stuff in for print, but you also have to get your stuff in and submitted for the online version to be put out. And now everything is digital, digital, digital. And not only are you now um, having to you know write an article, now you have to do your own pictures. And now you have to also do videos. You have to sit mm-hmm. out on the basket. I mean, there's a lot of my reporting friends who, you know, at, at basketball games, they have to go out on the court or they have to sit somewhere in the stands and face the camera towards them and some of right. these guys don't even know how to operate they have flip phones and they had to go get a smartphone just to be able to do these <laughs> and because of that they have said you know what i just don't like how the direction of the the industry that i fell in love with is not the same today as what it was when i started and because of that i don't want to work in that industry anymore that's 
like that happens every time. I've worked with salespeople here in this building. As we used to, it used to be strictly selling radio ads. Just right. get your get your business on the air, and you know, digital. and uh, digital. And now it's you know we're selling on air and we are selling digital and we're selling them combined. And again, that makes a ton of you don't want to obviously you know combined uh, your advertising resources and everything. But we don't just offer on air anymore now. So I've had older salespeople that I've worked with that said, man, I've grow- I've been a salesperson for 30, 40 years selling on air spots. Now they want me to spell or uh, to sell targeted display. <laughs> they want me to in listening to these. 60 or 70 year olds try to explain how ads are going to follow you from one website to the next and how and then they're getting afraid wait a minute so if i go look at shoes on this website every time i get on facebook and everything else those shoes are going to follow me like yes. it's a scary world <laughs> we've had multiple salespeople that i love who have been around this business forever who've called it a career because they don't the, the industry is different now that's all this is that's all this is and kev the reason is is i don't think i know we like to spin it to say these guys are disrespecting the athletes who help put them in position to be who they are but they're not looking at it like that because the ones that are going to be good enough to go make money are going to go make money anyways and by the way if you've listened to johnny manzel's uh, video that he put out earlier today by the way if you weren't a fan of him before you may not be now i'm actually a bigger fan of his now i actually really wish it would have worked out in cleveland this dude is absolutely hilarious but that's (laughs) besides the point my point is this is that i think that coaches like coach k and roy williams are looking at this and saying man i don't want 18 17 18 19 year old kids to make money it's not so much about the money as is the how it's going to shift the way players respond to coaching. And we all know that the second that players at any level have any kind of financial leverage over you, at that point, it's chasing the dollar versus chasing the dream. And I think that, that there, that's where the lines blur. And I think over time that can shape out. And I think you'll get a good balance over time of guys chasing money while chasing what's best for them opportunity-wise. But because this is so new, Kev, now it's... Wow, I can get money. Kids are going to start chasing wherever the most money is right away because this is new. And there's not going to be exi- – like right now, these kids, unfortunately, the ones that are making mistakes are going to ma- are pave the way for the younger generation who are going to witness the mistakes that they make in chasing the dollar versus cha- chasing the dream. And then there's going to be those who said, okay, I'm going to go make less money going to this school and won't have as many opportunities. But, man, I got a chance to play in the Final Four. I got a chance to win a national championship. I got a chance to get an education. I think it's just going to take time. But I think this isn't a vindictive, I hate kids trying to chase financial freedom. I think it's strictly because of the financial freedom that is opening up for these kids. It is changing their approach to accepting coaching and accepting what we have been used to understanding of being a team atmosphere of no I in team, it's about we. But right now, we have to start shifting how we preach to kids. We can't say there's no I in team and then at a certain point say, go go do you. Uh, because we have to start saying, we have to start teaching kids younger where I fits into team, where I Absolutely. fits into we. I think we do a bad job now. If this is where society is going, fine. You could either die on this hill and be the, the get off my lawn guy <laughs> or it's, okay, what can we do to change it? What I See, I disagree with you on this too, Kevin. Here's why. Coach K could do more damage to this by staying and bitching and complaining and setting Duke back. Getting out now before he voices, opinion, before he voices his opinion on it, I think is smart. I think Roy Williams and him getting out as opposed to being that crotchety old man in the, in the coach's office that I'm not going to do it that way. I'm not going to allow them to do this. I'm not going to let them do that. Now you become a problem, and now your career is going to end on a bad note. I think the fact that they're getting out like Roy Williams and Coach K, the fact that we get to celebrate them leaving, I'm a huge fan of that. 
I, I, I'm actually happy for them that that's how they're going to go out. And I hope Beheim can end his career before any kind of big controversy pushes him out, you know? Uh, <laughs> I'd be very shocked if Calipari ends his career without controversy pushing him out. Um, you could argue Patino still in the game, but it's not Rick Patino anymore, right? You know what I mean? Like, great job that he did, by the way, last year. Iona. By, with Iona. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, he's never going to be that guy again, even no matter what success he has at Iona. There's, he's always going to have that asterisk next to his name because it's just it's a tarnished, you know, blemished record. Coach K gets to go out on top, and I hope that that's how a lot of these coaches get to go out on top. So Absolutely. I, like, I, mean, I don't want the Bob Knight finish for any of these guys. Oh, no. I mean, that's the that's the, probably the worst way to go out. But I, 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 I view it in a situation where, you know, two people can disagree and, and it perfectly be fine. Like, he can look at it and say, like, this isn't how I want it to be anymore, and I don't want to be a part of it, and still be right and wrong at the same time because he is about to be 70-something years old. And, you know, the game is changing, and he doesn't have – I'm not trying to wish death upon the man, but, like, let's be real, man. Like, he doesn't have a long life ahead of him. So, like, the energy that it would take to learn something new, he doesn't want to. And that is perfectly fine. And that's what we were talking about yesterday with new blood, new blood in coaching, because this game and all these games, they constantly change. And older people are automatically going to be stuck in their ways. Like you could ask my uncle, what's the best movie you ever seen in your life? And he'll automatically say Godfather 2. And I can't argue that. Because Godfather 2 is a great movie, but I could just start rattling off, uh, shoot, Ocean's Eleven, uh, a million different movies. Not, not better than Godfather 2. Because in that time when he saw Godfather 2, when he was 13 years old, it was a masterpiece. And it ain't nothing that's going to change that. So when you get new blood in there and you get new ways of doing things, and especially you have coaches that are younger that are already having a relationship with these younger people, they're going to have an automatic feeling and an automatic feel about how to do things and working around. Just like you were talking about how, you know, salespeople have to deal with digital and everything like that. It's nothing to us because we grew up on it. You know, my nephew, he knows nothing the world without a cell phone, nothing without a tablet, nothing without automatic skateboard. Like, I was like, man, you know, I used to have a skateboard. I used to kick it with my foot. He just jumps on his hoverboard and just rolls away. Like, so the new coaches that are coming in now, 15, 20 years from now, they're going to have to get up out the paint, too, because this game is going to continually evolve and change. So holding on to these coaches because we love them so much and they're so iconic to the game. Yeah, we can do that. But for the betterment of everybody involved. The coaches need to change just as much as the players need to change. Yeah, and, and too, look, we've seen this evolve at the pro level as well. Uh, Pat Riley, uh, I mean, Pat Riley was told no for the first time in his legendary 50-plus year career. And it was LeBron James that broke his heart because Pat Riley couldn't flash the rings across the table anymore. Pat Riley's fancy suits and slicked back hair and the, the mob-looking persona that he has. And by the way, I'm one of the biggest Pat Riley fans out there. I grew up I grew up during a time where I was as much of a fan as the coaches as I was the players on the floor. Right now, I couldn't tell you half the damn coaches in the NBA. I could tell you who they played for. Maybe once I see their name and I'll remember who they played for back in the day. But uh, those co- like Pat Riley has a salty feel right now with the players of today. Mm-hmm. You know, Phil Jackson 
posse. would be the best coach of all time uh, if it wasn't for the blemish stuff at the end of his career, you know, making the, the posse comment, which I don't think in their eyes and their world that there's any negative connotation with that word. That word is just a normal word. But, but again, times are changing, and sometimes you get pushed out without even realizing you're being pushed out because you haven't mentally adapted with the times or with the, with the game. And uh, that's unfortunate because uh, I, I still don't think that that should take away from the success of what Pat Riley and Phil Jackson and these oh, others no, have. No, Coach no, K, no. same thing. But if, like, I, I still fully believe if Coach K came out and said, I, I mean, and he said today's game is a mess, and it is, but... It's the portal is a mess. I think that the NCAA, I, th- I think that they're still trying to get a grasp on how to handle this as well. Coaches are finding a way to get a grasp on this as well. But uh, this isn't just a change for Coach K. It's for everybody, even the young coaches. There's young coaches right now that don't know how to balance a roster that's changing every single year. There are guys entering the transfer portal that were happy. There's many coaches that I've talked to that said, I didn't even know that he was unhappy. Like, every coach can tell you, I guarantee you, if you pull five coaches aside, they can give you two to three players that they would put money on entering the transfer portal by the end of the year. Yeah, there's just not a spot for him. I don't see him wanting to play, come off the bench next year. I could see him leaving. There are not just those guys leaving. There are guys that average 30 minutes, 35 minutes a game, average 20 points a game, first-team guys. And they're bouncing too. And it's like when you can't balance, when it's not even about playing time anymore. It's not even about being the guy anymore. Sometimes they want the same playing time and being the guy at a bigger spotlight. And it's like you just can't win right now. So, again, this isn't a crotchety old man get off my lawn adjustment. This is a, uh, you know, being as young at 12 as Zach Taylor trying to balance some of these younger <laughs> college rosters right now. So, it is where the games are changing. And I am happier to see the coaches leave on their own terms than to be pushed out. Because what happens if he sticks around, Kevin? They they start losing, and they start losing on recruits because recruits don't feel the same way about Coach K as what recruits did 10 years ago. And then the last thing we remember of Coach K is missing the tournament three of his last four years in, in college, and that's not who he was. So going out on top the way he's doing now I think makes a ton of sense. And hopefully Duke can get him to the tournament. They make a run. And, of course, as he said today, they're not interested in making runs. They're uh, interested in finishing. So get that ring. There you go. I would say good luck to him, but I'm a Syracuse fan, so. There we go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Matt says, Johnson and Kev, uh, you're both making great points. Coach K is one of the greatest ever. My two cents, he doesn't want to deal with the current climate. Great discussion. And that's what we're discussing. And I do believe that that is um, the case. I think that is the case. Um, uh, so we'll see. And is it raining? Again. I have a tea time. At six, uh, I was gonna go ride my bike. I guess not. I'm going anyway. I don't care. I'll stay up the, I'll, you know. What? I'll walk. You I'm in shape now. In this? I mean, it's not gonna do this for the next couple. I mean, where's our weather people at? We don't have any. Turn on the news. They don't cover anything except weather. It's just. I mean, I don't even know why no, we call it the call news. Back. So yeah. Uh, all right, four fives. Oh, I didn't even. My I bad. I wasn't so paying attention. My bad. I'm all over the place today. My ADD's taking over. Folks, it's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, presented by Orion Sports Medicine. We got a little over under coming up on the other side of the break. Kev Nash brings us over under, uh, and then we will of course get back into your phone calls, social media reaction as well. Schrody, uh, David Shaw, uh, McKinney. There's McKinney right there. Uh, so true. I thought the same thing. I think he's in response to someone else in the comment section. We'll get to all your Facebook and YouTube uh, and social media reaction on the other side as well. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, presented by Orion Sports Medicine. We'll be back in just a moment. Listen, stream, watch. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, right here on Dayton's I don't even know why I even mentioned golf. Mother Nature heard me, and all of a sudden it's been lightning and thundering outside the studio windows. And uh, 
You know how when you're a kid, they say, don't stand by the windows. Here I am, head out the window, looking around. Now I want to go hold a metal object straight up in the air hey, during a your, storm. Did your parents used to say, get off the phone when it was a thunderstorm outside? Yep, can't shower. <laughs> <laughs> that was my grandmother's go-to. You better Hurry shower. Up and take a shower. Yes. Yep. Yes. Better, you better <laughs> hurry up. You get home from you get home from school. Like, hey, I'm gonna go to so and so. No, you're not. There's a storm coming. You better get in the shower now because you can't shower once the storm starts. I'm like, <laughs> but see, as a kid, I was very curious. I'm like, well, what happens if you get electric here? Like, you know, I I, I kind of so I, I wanted to. I mean, what happens if the water is running and lightning hits that? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. So, but yeah, the other one. Uh, couldn't get uh, in the pool. So, you know, couldn't get in the pool after you eat for like a half hour or something. Yes, like that. I remember that. I remember that. Me and my brother were actually just talking about that. My grandmother used to take us to uh, Punderson Beach up there in Northeast Ohio, and she had a blue Chevy Nova. And this was, I was like about six, seven years old, so I'm tiny. And she had leather seats. And, you know, this is in the 80s. So we'll be at the beach all day. I'm talking like from like one to like six. <laughs> and we would jump back in the car and those leather seats would burn my little legs so bad. And my brother would laugh at me. And like you could see the heat just waving in the car, man. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I see, call I, my grandmother today. I lived in El Paso and like it's hot here. But like in El Paso, everyone has those little visor things that you like, yeah. you, you fold them up. They look like uh, windshield covers and you put them in the inside of your dash or whatever. So it covers because that's how hot it gets. And of course, you know, crime in El Paso is through the roof, too. So everyone had one of those little things you put in your steering oh, wheel that you lock it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I always thought that thing was cool. So I, my mom had a club on her. What did she have? What kind of guard? She had a. Topaz, a topaz. You had a red topaz. Yeah, yeah, I remember getting the van with my grandparents. My grandpa would sit down, get all comfortable, get his you know, seatbelt on. Then he would unlatch it. Then he'd crinkle up the little thing. <laughs> and he'd get the Did mirrors on. Did work? Uh, I mean, it takes the direct sun from just, I mean, you're talking about your dashboard, leather seats, any seats. Everything's just scolding hot when you get, but it's no different than heat here, but in Texas, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's the Justin Kinder Show with Kevin Nash presented by Orion Sports Medicine. Hanging out with you here on a rainy and thunderstormy Thursday. Kinder's still hoping to get out on the golf course following the show. Don't hold your breath. Mm, I am. Alex Sogard, uh, Wright State baseball coach, will join us coming up a half hour from now, 4 o'clock. The Raiders are in the Knoxville Regional in the NCAA Championships uh, after, of course, winning the league for the fourth time in the last six years. And, uh, they, you know, everyone I've talked to, to, I mean, this – Roster's freaking loaded. They're going to be sending a ton of guys in the draft to Major League Baseball's draft coming up uh, just under a month from now. So uh, it's going to be a fun little stretch of uh, days and hopefully weeks when it comes to Wright State here in the coming uh, weeks and months and days and all that fun stuff. So uh, before we get to Kev Nash bringing you our over-under, let's go to the phones, 457-9464. we got the SEC commissioner. we got McKinney. McKinney, how are you, sir? Tremendous, my friend. Rain, rain, go away. Come a dick again for three more days. There you go. That's exactly. At least O'Kenner can get out on the golf course, and uh, and then still hate why. I, then I get on the golf course. I can't wait. And then by the time I get to the second hole, I'm like, why did I pay to do this? Why why do I continue to waste money to do something I'm so bad at? But anyways, because it's the joy of the game. Do you it's golf? The love of the game. Do you golf? Yes. Oh. We will have to get out on the golf course sometime, my friend. If you could stand uh, dealing with me for oh, a man. couple hours. Oh, man. Oh, man. We're some Me, Kenner, McKinney, and... And... Who? 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 The true American? I don't know who you're trying... Who? <laughs> Your who? buddy. I have a lot of buddies. Oh, Shaw. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Uh, <laughs> all right, McKinney, what you got for us, man? Well, uh, I'm going to hit on a, a couple things. Uh, 
first uh, I'll hit on you. It, I like to welcome to the Old Man Get Off My Lawn Club. Uh, your card will be with your AARP <laughs> in the mail. I don't have to apply for it. It just comes, huh? No, no, man. Uh, when you make when you make statements like that, there's the, the uh, gods of email come and find you. It's like <laughs> as soon as you turn 49 and a half, AARP, even if you've been in witness protection, they will be able to find you, track you down, and get money from you. That's the way they do. Exactly. Exactly. Hold on. Which comment exactly did I did I earn my uh, get off my lawn card? Well, you were talking about time for changes and new things are happening, and mm-hmm. like with Coach K, I I agree with your boy Sean. Coach K should have let Tommy Amaker or somebody else take this gig like four years ago. Mm. So after that. I was uh, I was through with Duke because there comes a time where where you're at work and all of a sudden some new young guys come along and you go man they don't know anything about anything and you realize that you're in that change I remember when I first got into sales guys were to sell cars and appliances guys were middle age mm-hmm. and now you got guys that uh, out of high school out of technical school and they're ready. They're ready to take over the big job and work commission jobs. But it just comes at time. Coach K had to go. And it's the same thing with Danny Ainge in Boston. It was his time. I would rather have a mind like that in the front office than to have him burn out as a coach. Because the room had decided that they had heard all that they wanted to hear from Brad Stevens. They didn't want to hear anymore. He was absolutely done. But to have a basketball mind like that at that age, you figure there's 30 years difference between Brad Stevens and Coach K. So you don't want 80, 85-year-old people trying to give a fresh idea to your program. That's why these coaches don't understand the transfer portal because the one thing that they don't understand when you were begging that kid to come to your school and you were sitting on their couch drinking Country Time lemonade and you said how wonderful it would be and then you never have a conversation with that guy until you find out that he's in the transfer portal, what had you as a coach were doing not to make sure that that person wasn't happy? These coaches 90% of the time are blindsided that these players are unhappy. That shows what out of touch they are or how delegate they do to other people and when they need to find out what's going on in their own program. McKinney, let me jump in there. McKinney, let me jump in there. I'll defend the coaches on this point. And part of this is an NCAA uh, rule or mishap. Coaches Uh, are not allowed to have contact with their players outside the season. That is probably the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, like they're under your umbrella. Yeah. I can see other coaches not being able to talk to you, but your coaches. So from when, like the basketball players, like we got UD guys showing up in Dayton now. It's June. Technically, they're not supposed to have direct contact with the head coach until the season starts. The season... And preseason practice doesn't start till October. <laughs> so you mean you got dudes you've been recruiting all this time that you're not supposed to have daily contact with for months. And then right. and then when your season ends in March or in April, 
you're not supposed to have contact with them again until like a little brief period in like July or whatever, and then again until the season starts. So that is an NCAA flaw. I think that the NCAA needs to look at that. I mean, imagine thinking about that with football players. I mean, there's 85 scholarship players on a football team versus, you know, 12 to 15 on a basketball team. So I understand that. Uh, assistant coaches and strength and conditioning coaches, they can have constant contact with the student athletes and like that. But there's no reason that the coach should be blindsided. That's an NCAA flaw. The, the coaches should be able to have player meetings whenever that bleep they want. They they decide, hey, man, maybe that you can't have a mandatory practice, but, hey, man, let's have a, a popcorn night at my house. Just a, a rapport with your players. Hey, I heard you guys are having open gym. I'm going to swing by just to hang out with my guys or take your team to the movies outside of the season. Like that type of stuff builds camaraderie. And it also right. like when you're a player, you can actually get to know the coach outside of him yelling at you in practice. You can see like, oh, man, he's a family guy. Oh, man, coach had us over the house for a barbecue on the 4th of July. Like those type of things go a long way. So if a player says, hey, man, I don't like it here no more. They won't feel the need to kind of go behind the coach's back or and just go straight to the SID like, yeah, put my name in the portal. I'm out of here. Maybe they right. will have that inkling to say, hey, coach, it just ain't working out for me here, man. I respect you as a man, but I just don't like it here no more. And maybe that can mend some of the fences. So I, I, I will defend the coaches on that part. It's not their fault that they can't communicate with their, their players outside of the season. That's the NCAA's fault. Yeah, but do you see what I mean by uh, if you feel ignored? It's like it's like having a girlfriend. You say eh, I'll talk to you maybe every eighteen, nineteen days, and, and once you want to break up with me, then we'll have a conversation. You you can't do that as a coach. Right. You have to you have to be in constant contact to find out where is where's the head at of my player. Like with uh, my boy Anthony Street Clothes Davis, <laughs> uh, he makes all that money, and he doesn't think it's worth a million dollars the way LeBron, Russell Wilson, all these athletes put money into trainers, strength and conditioning people, masseuses, stretching, learning how to do it, putting... You don't come to camp out of shape and they're going to play your weight in shape. And that's what Street Clothes did. Now he's hurt. Now he's got this reputation of being fragile. That's because he won't work out. You, you have to work out to be a professional athlete. You don't have to put it in the clause. You don't have to make a, a notation, a footnote. Come in, show up, do your job. Be a professional. That's all we want. So we can root for you, not root against you. I don't want to root against people. I want to root for people. All right, so McKinney. We have hey, to... I, and right now there's thunders out here, and I'm standing in my yard on a cordless phone, and, <laughs> Big, Ma and Big Mama said that I could get electrocuted, so I'm going to go in here, get me a tea and treat, and sit down. You guys have a great afternoon. All right, just make sure you don't swim for at least a half hour, though. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Four five seven nine four six four. That's the number to call and jump in on the conversation. But you're right from that standpoint of the lack of community. I've never understand why. I understand why you know as a maybe you know coaches can't talk to recruits, can't talk right. to other players, but to not right. be able to talk to your own players. That's kind of <laughs> very that, that's weird. That's creating a lot of uh, opportunity. You know, for I don't know. It, it but let one of those players get in trouble, and then everybody in the media directly looks at the coach like, what what type of program are you running? Man, I ain't seen this dude since the spring game. 
<laughs> like, that's really what happens, man. But I did want to ask you about this. So we got Tommy Amaker. He's the head coach at Harvard. Johnny Dawkins, head coach at Central Florida. Jeff Capel, head coach at Pittsburgh. Yeah, I bet he regrets taking that pit job, by the way. <laughs> Nate, Nate Jones, head coach at Austin P. Uh, Chris Collins, head coach at Northwestern. Bobby Hurley, head coach at Arizona State. And, of course, Mike Bree, the head coach at Notre Dame. All guys that come from the Mike uh, – Mike, I almost tried to say his name. Mike Krzyzewski. Yeah. You're better than me. Coach K's umbrella. Do you have a problem with him – not picking one of these guys that already has experience. No, because I think that, and Coach K brought this up today and during the conference. Re- said the one reason too that he was adamant about naming a coach now is because right now Shire has a lot of the main communication with a lot of the recruits that they have. Uh, I mean, when you're Coach K, when you're Roy Williams, when you're Beheim, and when you're coaches, you're the, you're not a seller. You're a closer. Right. The sellers are, uh, I keep mis- I can't say his name, but I can say Shashevsky. Makes no damn sense. Shire, Shire, whatever. He's the one that. So he has a relationship with all the recruits for these future classes, and it's just one of those where, and it's just like the Ryan Day thing. I mean, I thought that it was strange. Like I kind of with you a tad because I remember when they named Ryan Day right away. I'm like, why would they not open this up? Why would they not at least see who was out there that would come in to take this job? Because I thought that Ohio State was gambling on giving a job to an individual who's never been a head coach before, and I just don't feel like Ohio State's the kind of program that you can gamble giving to somebody that being their first head coaching job. Now, I was a million times wrong. I have no problem admitting that, and I have, I'm glad that I'm wrong because he has kicked ass since taking over for Urban Meyer, but it made sense because the recruiting class was intact with him being a lot, being a part of the major cell. And Ryan Day keeping that class intact was because you know he was the guy that was in communication with these guys even more so than Urban, and I think that that's what's going on here with Duke. If Duke was a failing and floundering program, and that's what's leading him to step away, then I would be on your side and say, okay, they needed to kind of hit a reset button just a tad here. But Duke's not failing. The only thing I disagreed with McKinney on, and it's not just him, there's a lot of people I saw on social media, Coach K should have hung it up Five years ago? No. What, what, Didn't I don't they win a championship like five years they ago? They won, what, back in 2015? Yeah, and so 2015, they won it. Since 2015, they won 25 games, 28 games, 29 games, 32 games, 25. Yes, they went 13 and 11 during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to me, I... I, I there is no sign. Like Coach K is not even slowing down. They have the number four recruiting class in the country this year. They're in the top three next year's class already, and we haven't even gotten to the the heavy part of the recruiting for that. In fact, the dead period just ended. So recruiting is going to pick up again. So I, I have I have a huge problem with people saying that Coach K should have hung it up years ago. He's not even hanging it up because he's bad now. He could probably coach another five years and still be a top five recruiting class every year and still have a chance to win the ACC every year and still have a chance to get to the Final Four and win a national title every year. So that's what's weird to me. Yeah, I'm, I like the John Shire pick. Like, he's 33 years old. <laughs> like, he he was on the last national championship. Well, not the last one. He was on the national championship team. And on the staff is Nolan Smith, who was also a backcourt teammate of his on the national championship team. Greg Paulus is another name to yeah, look out he's for, also too. On, he's also he was at Ohio around. State for yeah. a bit. He's been floating around for a while. So, I like Greg Paulus. Like, like I was talking about young blood, new blood. Like, I'm cool with this. I have no problem with this. I just saw, I started thinking about it. I was like, hold on, man. I know Tommy Amaker has been coaching for a while. Johnny Dawkins has been coaching a while. And I started thinking like, man, he's got a lot of former players that are head coaches now. And like he goes and, you know, handpicks the youngest one of them all, you know, to be a head coach. So if Coach K sees something in him, oh, I, I believe they'll be just fine. Just fine. Because like you said, 
he's been like one of the main contacts for the current class and guys that are already on the team. So, you know, he has a relationship with those guys already and you want to keep this train rolling and keep the Duke legacy going. So I have absolutely no problem with it. And that was one reason why when Urban left Ohio State, it was very important uh, to keep um, you know Ryan Day as the guy because if Urban Meyer at the end of that season said, okay, after the Rose Bowl, I'm done, and then Gene Smith comes out and says, well, we're going to start doing a national coaching search the day, you know, we'll begin that the day after the Rose Bowl. You know how many recruits are going to decommit from mm-hmm. Ohio State at that time? And not in a negative, it wouldn't be a bad way. They would just say, hey, I we, wa- we want to reopen up our commitment, or we want to reopen up our recruitment so we can, you know, at least have a chance to know who the coach is and have a chance to talk with them. And if not, you know, we may not fit into that coach's system. We may not fit into that offensive scheme if we don't even know who the offensive coordinator is going to be. So that's one reason why keeping Ryan Day made sense because although Urban was leaving, there was still a sense of familiarity with Ryan Day already. And the same thing here with Duke. I have no problem with it. David Shaw says, I have a problem. I have a serious problem with it. No way Shire is ready for this, just my opinion. Why don't you think he's ready? I said the same thing about Ryan Day. I said the same thing about Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. Uh, we, you know, I there was many people that thought the same thing about Juwan Howard, and I think that he has done an amazing job. Everyone thought that uh, the dude out at Memphis and Hardaway was going to fail. Him and and you can argue him and Juwan Howard have just done amazing kick-ass jobs since taking over being first-time head coaches with their respective programs. So I, I'm not. My mind has shifted in the, its thinking on this, thinking that, oh, inexperience means you're going to be bad. It's not about experience because you know basketball. Right. It's about relationships and being able to teach. And Shashevsky, he's not putting his neck on the line, pushing this guy to be the guy. You know, Roy Williams named his you know his next guy up. Shashevsky's doing the same thing. Urban did it at Ohio State. We saw Stoops do it at Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley. And there was talks of when Nick Saban's time is up in Alabama, Steve Sarkeesian was rumored to be the guy before, and who was the guy, the sketch ball before that that they were rumored to, that oh, he won. Uh, He's the Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin. Uh, you know, the, and Josh McDaniels, I always say in the NFL, Josh McDaniels is like the Lane Kiffin of the National Football <laughs> League. Like, I always get that vibe. But no, this happens all the time. I don't have a problem with it. Um, so, well, yeah, we'll I'll see. Have I think it'll work. It I, either. We're going to find out, though. Is it the Duke brand or was it Coach K? What was the big selling point out on the recruiting trail? We're going to find out. Because Ohio State, we knew I mean, Ohio State's brand was big no matter what. It was, just, you know, so it's about what you do with it. Is Duke's brand bigger than Coach K? Coach K might be the only coach I could think of that is bigger than the brand of the school that they're at, but that could be put to rest here very quickly if Shire kind of keeps this uh, keeps it rolling. I so, think he will. I will say this. He's going to have a little difficult time because it's not the same thing as Jawan Howard coming from the NBA back to his alma mater in Michigan. He was already on the coaching staff. So his relationship with the guys. Was Jawan on the coaching staff? I thought he was in the NBA. Yeah, he was on the, in the NBA. Okay. Talking about Shire. Like Mike so, Woodson going to Indiana yeah, right now. Okay. Yeah. So, so Shire being one seat oh, over. Oh, yeah, my bad. Yeah, That's yeah. where I was confused. Okay. So Shire being one seat over, his relationship with the guys may have been more cool may have been more buddy buddy like hey don't worry about what coach said look we're gonna do it like this talk in his ear calm him down relax but now he's gonna be in that other seat where he's gonna have to be quote unquote the bad cop as opposed to the good cop so you know nolan smith 
his uh, assistant coach, he's probably going to be the good cop now while Shire turns into the bad cop at practice and everything like that. So that's something that he's going to have to juggle with the guys that are already on the team. Now the guys that are coming in, he can be bad cop all day. They don't know him like that anyway. But, you know, the guys he was good cop with, there will be an adjustment, no doubt about it. But he knows the rivalry of the North Carolina game. He knows the ACC. He's been there. Like, he had a cup of coffee overseas and came straight to Duke and was learning under Coach K for many years. I think they'll be just fine. Yeah, keep in mind, too, the ACC, very good basketball conference, but now is the time to make a transition. You know, it's not like Roy Williams and Coach K and Bayheim have those three programs, and even if Patino was still at Louisville, imagine if those four coaches and those four teams were all peaking at the which we were was five years ago. Right, exactly. Louisville, Syracuse, North Carolina, Duke—they were all at the top of their games. So if one of those coaches decided to step away. They would leave their program in bad shape because now you're bringing in an inexperienced coach to go up against Roy Williams and Patino and his strip clubs on the recruiting trail. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so now it's you got a new coach at North Carolina. You know, Syracuse isn't Syracuse of three or four years ago as they're trying to kind of battle back up, and then Louisville. They're not, you know, doing. They're dealing with some issues right now, being mm-hmm. sued for, or they're not being sued. They're the. I don't forgot what's going on with with Mac and the program that they have going on over there. But the bottom line is, this is the time if you're going to make a transition. I think Shire's set up to to succeed right away because of all the brands, Duke is stronger than Syracuse. Duke is stronger than North Carolina. Duke's the strongest brand of them all. So if any program of all those co- of all those programs could handle a coaching transition, I think Duke's set up for more success than any of them. North Carolina will be fine too. Yeah, I mean, let's keep it real, man. Them dudes weren't going to coach forever. <laughs> like that's just is what it is, man. They're, like we get so used to seeing them and seeing their face on TV all the time, we just expect them to be there all the time, man. Dude got a wife, dude got grandkids. He want to kick back and spend some of his millions. Yeah, uh, Keith Tolliver says the intro music for Coach K and the clapping was just bad. What was the song? Um, oh, I could hear it in my head. I don't know the name of it, and I'm definitely not going to sing it. Aww. Maybe we'll find it. We'll find it during this little <laughs> pause in the action. Uh, so pushing, we're pushing some things back now. I just uh, texted Coach Sogard. We're going to move him back to uh, 420, and at 4 o'clock we'll do our over-under. So that's coming up on the other side. So, again, reshuffling some things, but that was a fast first hour. Appreciate the calls and the interaction on social media. Overall, uh, you know, interesting press conference for Coach K, nonetheless. And uh, I'm pulling for him. I know you're not. Well, you're not, you're pulling for him, but not Duke. They, that both could be true at the same time. Eh. Uh, yeah, we're gonna get that song that uh, Keith Tolliver's talking about. If you haven't watched it, it's absolutely hilarious. If you go watch the, you know, as he's walking into the press conference. Um, you know, and then I don't know. There wasn't a lot of people in there. Everyone was still socially distanced. Everyone was standing up and clapping to this weird, creepy clap along song. And uh, you know, I don't know. We'll be back. More of the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash, presented by Orion Sports Medicine. Next, it's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Justin, you're awesome, baby. Right here on fourteen ten. It was wishful thinking. I went out to grab a coffee a little bit ago. Right there. The sun was out. I texted some buddies. I'm like, hey, we might be able to sneak around an nine in tonight when I get off work. And from that point on, once we called and actually got the tea time, from that point on, to work somehow, some way, some kind of, whether it's, you know. And by the way, it would not surprise me to see more teams do. I think Coach K is too big of a name. You won't see him go to the NBA, especially after all these years. Not to be a head coach, but I think it's smart for some of these um, pro teams 
to have maybe former college coaches on their player development staff uh, for this very reason right here, especially for rebuilding teams like the Pistons, who always seem to be rebuilding. But imagine like when the Pistons drafted Luke Kennard. Imagine Luke Kennard, his first couple years in the league, having a guy like John Beeline to be able to assist you as one of the player development coaches. You know what I mean? Like that's a great uh, bridge between... You know, as far as him being a great bridge gap right there to be able to kind of meet the players coming out of college and to kind of help prepare them from what they've learned in college and kind of, you know, kind of fix it into what they're doing at the pro level. I think that makes a lot of sense. But I like Beeline. I, I, I hate Beeline because I like Beeline. Because <laughs> Beeline made me do something I hate. And, J- and Juwan Howard's doing the same thing. I don't want to root for Michigan in anything. But I liked Beeline so much that I found myself pulling for his team to have success so that he could have success. But I was never pulling for Michigan. You know, you could twist the words all you want. Now I'm doing the same thing with John Howard. I'm a huge <laughs> John Howard fan, uh, and I, I love the job that he did last year and very good recruiter as well. Yeah, you know, Beeline, uh, he had a great run at West Virginia and obviously a fantastic run at Michigan. And he has a connection with the GM at Detroit, the Detroit Pistons and Troy Weaver, you know, so from their New York days and everything like that. So I think this will be a good role for him, you know, to continue. Who's at Detroit right now? Who's the head coach right now? Oh, man, you asked me way too fast. No, you're fine. I'll just, I'll just, <laughs> you keep finishing your point that I interrupted but, you on. But, and- but no, like, uh, they have a connection from like LeMoyne, and LeMoyne is like five minutes away from Syracuse. Troy Weaver used to be an oh. assistant coach at Syracuse, so they have a connection there and everything like that. So I think this is something good for Coach Beeline to still be involved with the game and everything like that because everything that happened when his tenure with the Cavs was just horrible. You know, the team was bad. Uh, He had the uh, slugs or thugs comment that just went left and everything like that. So I think this is a way for him to continue to do what he loves, which is being involved with basketball. Yeah, Dwayne Casey, by the way. Ah, Um, there you go. I'm a Dwayne Casey fan, but uh, I will say this. Beeline in that organization. If I'm Dwayne Casey, I'm not a big fan of Beeline being because I think Beeline has always made sense to be the Pistons head coach at some point. I think Casey's right. If Casey gets fired, it's not because he's not a good coach. It's because that roster is just not very good. And uh, I think if Beeline creates any kind of connection with these um, players, uh, I think that he could be the coach in waiting for the Pistons. I personally, I'd rather see Beeline back in college. Uh, but I think that he's also realizing, hey, I get these players. I don't have to go recruit players. Uh, sure, the roster might change slightly next year, but uh, that's for the GM to go chase players. I'm just going to be sitting here waiting for what players they send me versus me having to go chase the players that I could bring in to then do what I'm doing now. Hard to win games when you got one and a half players. They only got uh, Jeremy Grant. That's the only good player that the Pistons have right now. So good luck to them. <laughs> Kev Nash brings us over under. Kev Nash brings you over under. All right, Kev, kick us off over under NBA playoffs. I'm sure a big oh, yeah. chunk of this. Well, we got to leave things off. All right, number one, special to my heart, Dame Lillard. After going for 55 points and playing 51 minutes in a game five loss to the Denver Nuggets two days ago, over or under 35 points in this. Winner go home situation versus the Nuggets tonight for Dame Lillard. Uh, what's he averaging? He's averaging 35. I think uh, it's going to take. Oh, I'm going to say over because they're fighting for their uh, playoff lives right now. Um, look, we saw one of the instant classics the other night. I mean, multiple game-winning shots. Played over 50 minutes. Scored over 50 points. Did it? Abso- did absolutely everything he could for Portland. They still came up short. Uh, you know, I poked fun at it yesterday. I've never seen a player. 
get praised more for scoring 50-plus in a game that they lost. And I only say that because we do nothing but rip Russell Westbrook for averaging a triple-double for four years and not winning. But Dame Lillard scores 55 in a loss, and everyone lost their mind yesterday. But that was more because it had a very Kobe... LeBron clutch type feel where you just knew the second that ball was in his hand everything was just going to drop. It was just going to drop. So uh, it is what it is at this point. But uh, no, I'm going to say over just because you know that's the only chance they have of winning. They're not going to win with him scoring under 30. So he's going to have to score over 35 for them to have a shot. Our picks have been so bad lately. I didn't realize how little I know about sports until we started doing these over-unders. And I'm like, yeah, I know absolutely nothing about sports. And I think that's the first time our listeners have agreed with anything I've said. Um, So I'm going to say the over because, well, he has to. I'm going to go with the under. I'm going to go with the under for this reason and this reason alone. Hey, Hall of Famer, Carmelo Anthony, I'm talking to you. Maybe you can hit a shot. Hey, CJ McCullough, I love you. You're from Ohio. How about you don't walk out of bounds? Hey, Robert Covington, you went to Tennessee State. How about you don't miss two wide open dunks? Like, their plays were there to be made for them tons in overtime. Like, he set up dimes for y'all to hit down wide open shots. Y'all bricked them. So I'll rewind to the Saturday game where Dane was absolutely horrible, but everybody on the on the outside hit shots. Everybody else played their role and, and, and picked him up. So you know what? It's y'all turn to pick him up and carry the team to a victory. And then in game seven, maybe he can do some crazy magic again and we could be talking about it in a victory. But I'm going to go with the under. But they still win even if he doesn't score 35 points. I'm going to go with the under. My problem with... And again, it sounds like I'm, I'm guess I'm just calling for why does Dame get a break when it comes to media coverage of him? Like he reminds me, he's the Aaron Rodgers of the NBA, Kev, not the attitude. I will, that's disrespectful to Dame to say his attitude's like Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers, they're good enough to win 10, 12 games every single year. They're good enough to get to the NFC title game every year. They're good enough to do all this. They're good enough to have the number one receiver in the league. Good enough to have you know one of the best run games, best offensive lines, best defenses. And then when they lose, we focus on, well, they just don't help them enough. They don't help them enough. I feel like we do the same thing with Dame Willard where we talk about, oh, look at all the – they win. They're you know, 40, 50-plus wins every single season. They make these deep playoff runs. But then whenever they fall up short, we sit there and we point the finger at everybody else. But guys like Russell Westbrook, who averaged a triple-double, and they're literally just as good, if not more talented for – not more – I don't know how to word that. They're just as big of a star. But it's like he's not likable. Dame's likable. <laughs> Russell Westbrook is not. And I feel like we we sit there and like same thing like with like LeBron right now. LeBron doesn't have AD. Uh, literally had Schroeder who wanted a hundred plus million dollars in that contract. Uh, he scored a tonight, buddy. I didn't hear one person defend LeBron and say, well, he didn't get any help in that game. They just said, oh, come on, King, what's going on, King? Come on, King, you come on, champ, you gotta. So I just it's it's frustrating. Aaron Rodgers gets a pass. I'm not calling for Dame's head. I guess I'm just curious. Why does he get a pass? Why do we not hold him to the same accountability that we do others? Because if he truly is a superstar, which he is, we put the expectations on Russ and everyone else that they need to elevate everyone around him. Well, kind of the same thing needs to be said about him. I don't think they win this series. Obviously, the team they're going up against is the better team. He's a very good player. I don't know. Stars aren't going to come to Portland, but Portland, you got to go trade for them. You know, say what you, but people don't go to Boston, but Boston trades for them. They get stars to come to. You got Carmelo Anthony. Great. Why don't you get him 10 years ago? Okay. <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. Well, Dame wasn't here 10 years ago, but there you go. Next up. All right. Number two, the New York Knicks season came to an end last night at home by the hands of the Hawks. Over or under 0.5 games played for Obi Toppin with the Knicks. 
Uh, first of all, last night watching the Knicks uh, play at home with their black jerseys ticked me off. <laughs> when you're playing at the Garden, you wear your white jerseys. When you're playing at the Staples Center, you wear your yellow jerseys. When you're playing, can we stop doing this jersey swap crap? It's driving me nuts. To your point that I made, you know, about me earlier. Um, but this is an interesting one right now. I've heard like Obi Toppin. I. If I had to give him a grade for his rookie season, I'd give him a B. Uh, I he you know I don't think he didn't get playing time because he wasn't good. I you know for one there's the whole Tibbs doesn't like to play rookies thing. Although I kind of combated that with well then why did quickly average 20 plus minutes a game? Ob averaged 11. Uh, but the big thing is I keep hearing as well Julius Randle's why Ob didn't get more playing time. Well Julius Randle's not going anywhere. So if Julius Randle's why he didn't get playing time this year. Who's to say that Obi will get playing time next year? The Knicks are ahead of schedule. They're, they started winning ahead of schedule. I think that this turned around quicker than anyone had anticipated. I think Obi is one of those players that he did not scare anyone off. I don't think that Obi played bad. Obi did. I think that he was efficient in the uh, limited amount of time that he was given on the floor night in and night out. I think under, Kev, I don't think Obi Toppin plays another game with the Knicks. Wow. Mainly because the Knicks aren't disappointed in him. I don't think they dislike Obi. I just think that right now... They're ahead of schedule. They're, they've improved their brand a little bit. You know, not, not a whole lot of negative headlines for them this year after everything that happened in the last couple of seasons. I think they're hungry to win and win now. I think they're going to get the, the contract taken care of for Julius Randle, and I think that they're going to be packaging some guys to go and trade to get a star, whoever that is. Uh, but I think Obi's going to be a part of that. It's no disrespect to Obi. It's not like he's bad with the Knicks, but I don't want to hear Obi didn't play because of Julius Randle. Randle's not going anywhere. So if Randall's not going anywhere, then Obi's playing time's not going anywhere either other than where it was this past season. So I think it would be best for Obi and for the Knicks if they both just parted ways. Obi is a very good asset that I think if put in the right situation, I think he could flourish. So I'm going to say under. I don't think Obi plays another game for the Knicks. And I'm not hating on him. I'm not. I literally am defending him here. I think it would be best for him to be traded because that's all we've heard. Oh, Julius Randle. That's that's why he's not playing. Well, Julius Randle's going nowhere. So let's get Obi out of there. I think he's too good, too athletic, and too much of an energizer bunny to be kept on the bench and to only be brought in for 10 to 11 minutes at a time. So I'm going to say the under, and I think it's best for both sides if that's the case. Mm. I'm going to go with the over. I'm going to say that Obi is going to work on his game even more, just like we saw him in between his uh, freshman and sophomore year here at UD. He's going to expand that jump shot more. He's going to be able to put the ball on the ground more. And next year, I believe they're going to be able to play him and Julius Randle at the same time because Obi's going to expand his game. So I'm going to go with the over. Uh, who Then who's Obi's going to take minutes from? Uh, he's going to take minutes from the old man on the team. Uh, 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 drawing a blank on his name. I know you're talking from the Bulls, uh, the former player from the Bulls that Tibbs was there. I could literally see it. See, I don't think that guy played bad, and I think that Tibbs likes him. I think oh, yeah, he, likes, he loves I think, him. I think he likes the veteran player. I don't think that that dude's going anywhere, so that's why I just don't see it in the cards early. Gibson. Gibson. Ta- yeah. Taj Gibson. Yeah. So one more time, I'm not hating on Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin did not get minutes this year, or they did not not play him because he's bad. He just didn't fit into the, the lineup of guys that they had, which is why a lot of people question why the Knicks took Obi to begin with, because it just didn't make sense for the style of play that he was. They actually initially released Taj Gibson. They released a bunch of their bigs, remember? And then they brought a bunch of bigs back, and it just didn't make any... Bringing Taj Gibson back made zero sense. That was kind of the nail in the coffin as far as any opportunity for minutes growth for Obi Toppin. I just I would love to see him uh, be traded elsewhere to get an opportunity to get more minutes. I think you give Obi 20, 25 minutes a game, you're going to be looking at 
at a guy that could average anywhere between 15 to 20 a game. I just worry about the defense, but you know what? It's the NBA. Every team in the league averages over 100 points a game. Don't preach to me about defense in the NBA. (laughs) Next up. All right, number three. Oh, man. Uh, LeBron James and uh, Los Angeles Lakers face elimination tonight versus Suns. Big game for the Kang. .5 games left for the Lakers this season. Over under. Oh, yeah. So over under .5 games for LeBron. Uh, I think they, look, I said the other night they're going to win. And they lost by 30. <laughs> uh, I think, I mean, look, LeBron's never lost a first-round playoff series. And again, I'm falling in the trap that I, I get mad at everyone else for. This isn't a LeBron has never lost a first. LeBron's teams have never lost a first-round playoff series. And I think that they are dangerously approaching that. It's taken 18 seasons for it to happen. And I think there's a good chance that it can. But I'm going to remain optimistic. Um, I think that the Lakers played, like, the worst thing that could have happened for the Suns was kicking the Lakers' ass the way that they did. Because I don't see the Lakers playing like that again. And I don't think LeBron's going to let them play like that again. LeBron should not have let them play like that to begin with. But at the same time, I've always said, if you're a professional basketball player and you need someone else to motivate you to play hard in the playoffs, (laughs) then you're not a professional athlete. Get the hell out of here. I don't think that's going to be the case tonight. I think it's going to be a close game. I think that the Lakers uh, win a close game. They're not going to blow out the Suns. Um, And we'll find out just how severe Chris Paul's shoulder injury was because did anyone? no one called him out for being a drama queen. No one called him out for literally acting as if his arm had literally fallen off and then out of nowhere jumps up like he's Shawn Michaels, does that weird like leaping thing. Thing, and then he's just walking up and down the side. Then he realized, oh, I was a drama queen. And he goes and apologizes because he he got super mad, by the way. That dude didn't do anything. He boxed. That's exactly what you were supposed to do. Chris Paul, man, he's a pain in the ass as well. Uh, so I'm going to say Lakers win tonight. You back to not liking him? <laughs> no, I see how good. I mean, this is the first. I mean, it shouldn't take it this long for me. But the dude's super valuable. But very similar to AD. No one's questioned how good they are or how valuable they are, but it's the durability issues that have plagued them from the beginning of both of their careers. The thing for the Lakers, they still have LeBron. Is Do, do the Suns have enough firepower without Chris Paul to get it done? Even without AD, I don't think this Suns team is good enough without Chris Paul to beat the Lakers and LeBron James. I'm saying the Lakers win a close one tonight. They're at the Staples Center on top of it, and they just got their ass kicked by 30. They're going to come out and play motivated basketball. There's no way they get blown out again. This is tough for me because the biggest thing for me, there's no question in my mind that LeBron's going to come out and play some great basketball tonight. We're going to get a great performance, even though I said that last time. Uh, (laughs) um, But the problem isn't necessarily the offense. It's the fact that AD isn't there on defense. Like, everybody saw it, man. It is a layup line. Like, there's no deterrent on that pick and roll. And Anthony Davis is one of the best pick and roll defenders in the NBA. And Drummond is not. Mark Gasol is not. So if Chris Paul is, I say right now, he's playing probably at like at 75%. If Chris Paul is still playing at 75% and there's no AD, what's going to stop it? What's going to change the pick and roll from continually getting in the paint and kicking out the open shooters? With that said, I'm going to still put my faith in LeBron James and say he pushes him to a game seven. So I'm going to go with the over. Now, when you talk about that, I mean, the last time the Lakers and the Suns played two, and again, it was 115-85, the final. Mm-hmm. Like, the Lakers held the Suns. I mean, I can't believe it. They held them to 115 points. Like, they didn't <laughs> play that way. Like, you know, they held them to 115 points. I mean, the Suns, they put 23 and 26 up. So they scored 26 and 23 in the third and fourth quarter. 
I know this sounds really funny, but that's not great in today's NBA, right? Like, no. I Look, they, the Lakers sucked at both ends of the floor. Don't get me wrong. But the one thing that the Suns had going for them, they hit 14 threes. Yeah. They were 14 of 42. And the Lakers started making a run in the third quarter. LeBron caught fire. The Lakers were making a run. It just didn't seem like, well, they weren't making a run, but they were going score for score, bucket for bucket. The Suns did a good job of neutralizing the Laker comeback attempt in the third quarter because I even told you the other day, the Lakers were able to cut that to within 20 to 22 heading into the fourth. I believe the Lakers had a very good chance to come back and win that. The Lakers went on this tear. They had had hit four of their last six three-point shots, but the problem is the Suns hit three of their last six shots. Three of those were threes, and the other two were dunks down low. If the Suns shoot like that from behind the three-point line and they're not a very good three-point shooting team to begin with, they're winning tonight. I don't anticipate the Suns shooting well from behind the three-point line again tonight, mainly because they're on the road. They're at Los Angeles. Laker crowd's going to be loud and rowdy. Lakers get it done tonight. Force a game seven. All right. Number four, the USFL has announced a new league coming spring 2022. Eight teams. They say they're going to deliver high-quality football and innovative for their professional fans out there. Over or under 1.5 seasons for the new USFL? I look, I like the idea of spring football. Um, I, I find this odd. I think that right now, anyone that's attempting spring football right now, the problem is, is all these guys are cannibalizing one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought, honestly, I'm really disappointed. I can't believe I'm saying this. The XFL, I thought, was built to, to be the most successful of them all, this most recent XFL. The XFL was rolling, Kev. The ratings were good. They had good attendance. Um, they had good publicity. They had good, like, really mature adults running that league. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't the XFL, the gimmicky WWE uh, professional wrestling feel like it had way back in the early 2000s. They like, hate me. Um, they had, like, it was, it felt legitimate. And I think, I mean, there's a shot that this could work, but we're talking over one and a half seasons, over, under. I'm going to say over just to be optimistic mainly because I think that had COVID not happened I think we would still have the XFL I think that the XFL was having a very successful run and I think that the XFL would have come back last year had it not have been or this year had it not been impacted last year so I'm going to say over because I think if you just give one of these new fresh leagues time to grow I think it'll be fine but what was the one that folded before the XFL? Oh man. The XFL didn't fail. The XFL was a casualty of COVID. I, you know what I mean? Like that's I don't think it failed because it was a success. It was actually getting ratings. There was actually decent players on those rosters. It was a good, like it looked good on television. It wasn't a bad product. It failed because of COVID. I forgot the other one. The the other league too was tough, uh, and that started literally. You had the Super Bowl one week. And Kevin Nash back with you here on fourteen ten ESPN Radio. Uh, so again, Alex Sogard, Wright State baseball coach. Twenty-four minutes from now, we'll chat with him ahead of the Raiders' regional, uh, the Knoxville regional matchup with Tennessee. Wright State, the four seed. Knox, uh, Tennessee, the one seed. And uh, again, Wright State winning their conference uh, championship for the fourth time in the last six years. And again, they have a lot of future Major League Baseball talent on that roster, uh, which of course that's been the regular, that's been the norm for Wright State for quite some time. I mean, we talk about programs. You know, when we talk about you know Shashevsky leaving. You know, can programs lose coaches like that and still remain a big-time top program? I'm confident that that's the case. 
not comparing Rice State baseball to Duke basketball, but that's the case. Anytime you're able to achieve success, you know, can you sustain it? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like uh, that was always the you know when UD got to that number three ranking in the country a few years ago, being able to sustain it. Um, having the year they did last year, I don't believe that they were not able to sustain it. I, I think it's a matter of were they able to capitalize on that in recruiting? Obviously, they did. They have this huge recruiting class. That's uh, you know most of them. I think all of them, if most if not all of them, are on on campus officially. I think that that was a um, um, that ballooned out because of the run that they went on with Obi and the Flyers. Unfortunately, no NCAA tournament for them. But it's not, you know, people think that sustaining it means never being down, never having a down year. Sustaining it means taking the success you have and continuing to take it to that next level and build on it in recruiting uh, and, and everything like that. So I think that's going to be the case. But with Wright State Baseball, this isn't like new to them to have these players all be being sought after for the draft. I talked with Sogard earlier today. He said that, look, you know, last year there was a lot of guys that, you know, were being looked at to go in the draft, but many of them opted to come back because mm-hmm. I think instead of what I forgot how many rounds there are in Major League Baseball. I think they only did like three rounds last year, three or four rounds of the draft last year as opposed to seven, if I'm not mistaken. So imagine in the NFL, if they normally do seven rounds, imagine if last year they would have just said, oh, we're only going to do three rounds of the draft. You know how many guys would have not have opted out? They would have right. come back. Uh, that's kind of what happened in baseball last year, and Wright State definitely benefited from that. But, man, they have... They have, you know, draft draftable talent and prospects all over that roster. So that'll be on ESPN three tomorrow. Wright State, Tennessee, Tennessee, the one seed. Wright State last year, Tennessee was ranked eleventh. Wright State took two or three from them last year, um, as far as that goes. So that's, I mean, again, the roster's a little different, not much. Obviously, Tennessee got better, but Wright State's better than last year as well. It'll be, I'm, I'm excited to see that matchup tomorrow. Absolutely, and you guys think about the Wright State program, athletic program in general. Obviously, the women's basketball team had a Got their first NCAA tournament win. Look at the men's baseball team, the volleyball team. And then you look at the men's basketball team. Obviously, the season didn't end the way we all wanted to, but they were wrecking shop. 24 points in six minutes. Uh. <laughs> anyway, like six this minutes, 15 <laughs> seconds. Keep this on. year for the men, for not only the men, but the athletic department at Wright State was outstanding. So you know this way better than I do. So when you have an outstanding year like Wright State had overall athletically, where does that put you in the NCAA's eyes? Because, I mean, it's not like, you know, like, oh, man, you guys had a great season. Here's a bonus for the school or anything like that. What happens after you have a great season like that? I mean, look, I don't think it's an NCAA thing. I think it's more of a... You know, you start looking at other conferences. Are other conferences looking to absorb your program and, you know, you j- making a jump to that next one? I think right now the school's financial problems are getting in the way of any opportunity mm. that this program could have. Because people, you know, people always look at, okay, if the basketball program is making a huge run, they need to get to a bigger conference. Wright State's basketball program is really, really, really good. I still think they've underachieved as far as get taking the talented teams they've had and getting to the NCAA tournament. With Nagy, they've got there once. I think that they've left two good teams on the table the last two years. Yes, I know last year there was no NCAA tournament, but they were upset in their conference tournament before they the, before the season was even canceled. So they got the auto NIT bid. But I was like, no, that that was an NCAA team last year. This year was also an NCAA team, and they came up short again. So that's what is frustrating is I think that there's been tournaments left on the table from that. But if you would have taken that, I look at Wright State as an athletics package as a whole. Mm -hmm. When you have their volleyball team getting at-large bids, when you have their women's team making the tournament and getting uh, huge wins and making runs in the NCAA tournament, you look at how good the men's team is. Baseball, uh, I mean, so 
This is the frustrating part. I don't understand how the RPI works in baseball. Uh, I everyone always thinks that the the net ranking in basketball and the RPI is unfair in basketball. I think it's worse in baseball. Basketball, I've seen mid-major teams be rewarded. Like UD, I, I'm not calling them mid-major. I think that we need to change the tiers of that because I think there's high major. UD should be considered mid-major. Wright State should be considered low major. That's not a shot at Wright State. That's just the reality of it. It really has a lot more to do with resources uh, and everything like that. Like it's not saying you're low major that it means you're nobody. It's just saying, hey, your school's not bi- as big, doesn't generate as much revenue, and you don't have as many resources. I think it simply comes down to that. So, but right, you know, UD being a mid-major. They got the benefit of the doubt. I mean, they the, all the voters and everything could have said, hey, uh, we're not going to rank you because you did not beat a top 25 team. You almost beat some good teams. And then you beat up on a very average A-10 conference that didn't have any top 25. They were still the number three team in the country. They mm-hmm. were still going to be the no, uh, number one seed, uh, one of the number one seeds, because they've earned the respect of college basketball that they're, they're not gonna, their conference isn't going to hold them back. They're going to get the benefit of the doubt. You know, the A-10 is not a disrespected conference, but it's not a premier conference, Kev. You know what I mean? Right. So they've earned the respect of college basketball that they're going to get the benefit of the doubt of, hey, we don't need to see you play somebody to know that you're somebody because it's just that's how respected the the UD basketball program is. Right State baseball, they do nothing but beat top 25 teams year in and year out. They really they recruit the hell. I mean they their recruiting is unbelievable. You watch how big their baseball team is. I went and did the PA for the Horizon League tournament this past weekend and I walked out there onto the field and I'm watching, you know, Milwaukee, I'm watching these other teams and they're big athletic looking baseball player. And then I look at Wright State and it's grown ass men. <laughs> like they're massive. Uh, and guys I've talked to, like when Wright State went and they played against the SEC schools, like the SEC broadcasters came over and said, usually when these schools bring in these mid majors, it's just to kind of buffer their wins at the beginning of the season to kind of get their feet wet a little bit. They bring Wright State in and they find themselves in a regional level matchup you know, in the first week of the season. And that's not an easy series for any team at the beginning because Wright State has you know, future Major League Baseball prospects all up and down the roster, they're legitimate. So that I think Wright State as a whole, an athletics package as a whole, it's not just bat you know, we always talk just basketball. Right. Wright State Athletics as a whole, for men and women's sports, that's a hell of a package when you talk about another bigger conference absorbing them. I just think that unfortunate the disaster that is Wright State University, the academic side, okay? That has totally messed things up, I think, for the athletics department. This has been one hell of a run this past decade for athletics for Wright State. They've dominated that conference in all sports. And I just think that because of the financial issues that the school is facing, you actually have people on that school board that are trying to argue that athletics is an issue with the, with the school. <laughs> and they don't understand. For as smart as these nerds try to be that are making decisions for Wright State, they actually don't understand how important athletics is when right. it comes to bringing attention to your university. Right. Half the time, the only reason people hear about Wright State is because, oh, the women's team made a huge run in the, you know, got that big upset win in the NCAA tournament. Oh, Wright State men, they're on ESPN uh, more than any other school in the Horizon League and get nationally televised games. Oh, you know, baseball's making the NCAA tournament. Wright State volleyball, they're make, getting that large bit. That's why that's why you have to keep athletics. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I don't get how people as educated uh, as you know people that think they're as educated as what they are that are making some of the decisions for Wright State right now are literally trying to convince people that athletics is the real problem. You think cutting athletics is going to get uh, enrollment to go up? Mm. I think it's going to that's going to make it even worse because now even less people will know who you are. So I just think it's a disaster, and it's not even an athletics thing. Athletics has done their part, right? 
Like yeah. they, they've done their part. I don't know what I mean. I'm sorry, I'm going on my no, soapbox here, good. but I, I've been holding that in for a while. I think it's a mess <laughs> because you look at teams like Butler, who were in the same conference as Wright State. They you were comp. Uh, they they made their runs in the NCAA tournament. They went to two national championship games. They got guys drafted in the NBA. You know, Gordon Hayward being like the guy that everybody recognizes from Butler and everything like that. So you're right. Like when they had those those elite teams the last two years and they failed to you know get in that hurts it but you look at them and they've been able to parlay that into a a, a big east like <clears throat> butler's in the big east yes the big east isn't what it used to be but it's still the big east they're still playing villanova they're still playing georgetown on a yearly basis and everything like that so that can only help the program and obviously them being on network tv a ton obviously brings in more dollars so i'm with you i, I want them to capitalize on this great run that they're on not only the athletic department but it's great for the student athletes you know they can be a part of something to say hey, you know what we took them from a mid-major to a different mid-major that has a bigger tv contract we helped our university out a ton by getting them on more tv screens and helping enrollment and everything like that that would be a tremendous accomplishment not only for bob grant the ad but you know the student athletes over there at right state you know we pulling for them yeah and keep in mind too it's like okay your basketball team let's say that the men's basketball team had made the tournament three the last five years but baseball was no good volleyball's no good soccer's no good Yes, basketball, that's the cash cow right there, so that's going to be good enough to move you. But that's what makes Wright State even more interesting is because it's not just basketball. That's good. It's every damn sport. Right. Like, Bob Grant, I pissed him off years ago because I thought that I knew more than he did. And I said <laughs> that he was I, – I was like, I went off. I was like, I can't believe you're going to fire Billy Donlin. That was the biggest mistake that you could ever make. Yeah, I was. Uh, I can make scrambled eggs with all the eggs on my face. So him and I have had uh, long talks since then, and I was clearly wrong. He clearly knows. Every time a coach leaves, he brings in an even better coach for all those sports. So, uh, by the way, Wright State did not pay for this uh, ten-minute long PSA. No Raiders. Uh, so there you go. But uh, nonetheless, hey, how about this local story, real quick? Uh, a local. Uh, a local high school quarterback is planning to visit Ohio State next week and also was just invited to Michigan's camp coming up here in a few weeks. I'll tell you who that is. Again, it's a player out of the G-Walk. We'll talk about that on the other side. More of the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash presented by Orion Sports Medicine when we come back. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash on 1410 ES. Autographs at Texas A&M, but he never took a dollar before winning his Heisman Trophy. So he never, uh, like, I forgot how, you got to listen to it. It was with the Barstool Sports. I mean, it's an actually really good interview, and uh, I really don't have an issue with it because everyone's like, see, I knew these guys were doing that. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> Folks, Ohio State players are doing it. Not or not. Like, everyone is doing it. Like, that's the thing. And I think that that's the one thing that even I have to convince myself of is that this stuff is going on. Like, you act like people act like these guys aren't making money off to the side. And the second that the NCAA approves it, they'll all of a sudden be magically making money. The difference between what's going to happen after it's approved versus before is that now it's just going to be done out in the open. And taxed. And taxed and monitored. Wink, wink. Like, it, there's always going to be, I mean, there's going to be new loopholes. There's going to be new opportunities to funnel more money to these guys. Like, and if you think that there's a cap on what these guys can make, that cap, it'll not be, it'll be surpassed because they'll just find, okay, we're going to funnel you your money normal. 
And then we're going to have Skylar White and Walter White uh, uh, <laughs> money launder the other money to you somehow, some other way. The bottom line is, is that this whole thing, he said that he made... Uh, detailing two different transactions in 2013 that he says netted him. He made $33,000. lit. He goes, we're doing it all sneaky. We don't want to get caught, and we're trying to learn from everybody else who got caught, Menzel said during the interview that was published on Thursday by Barstool Sports. And I may or may not have gone back to this guy's condo and signed probably 10,000 pieces. He gave me three grand. First of all, you signed 10,000 pieces. You got three grand. That means you weren't even making a dollar per audit. So I, I mean, that's all good for that guy, by the way. Well, I mean, so, but again, when you're in college, you're not do, trying to do that mental math right there. You're like, all you heard was three thousand dollars. Right. You didn't understand that. Hey, no. Uh, even if you were dumb enough to say a dollar an, an autograph, <laughs> a dollar an autograph still sounds like you're getting screwed over. But I mean, at least if you're signing ten thousand pieces and it's a dollar an autograph, you're making at least ten thousand as opposed to three thousand dollars for ten thousand. Ten thousand. He had to have been like. Over exaggerating the amounts, right? I don't know, man. I I know every state is going to have different rules about Texas. Uh, you don't get taxed, anyways. By the way. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Even the dirty money. <laughs> I know in Georgia, like their their rule is going to be totally different from everybody else's. They're going to try to implement a situation where uh, your player likeness money that the school can take up to seventy percent of the money and then distribute it to others. <laughs> That's dumb. That, I'm not a. If the players are going to get money, it is theirs. The other one I heard that is absolutely ridiculous. We're going to hold on to it, and then we'll give it to you at the end of the forty. No, that is. It's ridiculous. my money. Give it to me, or I'll go find ten thousand pieces to sign and make three thousand dollars the back doorway, which I'll probably going to do anyway. Even if you do give me my money up front, but at least I'm just being honest with you. Look, Actual. I have no problem with what jo- I mean. There's a lot of reasons to dislike Johnny Manziel. This isn't one of them because I promise you, your most, your most loved and your most beloved college athlete did something shady at one point. I don't believe in, in I don't believe in uh, innocent athletes. And by the way, when I say that and I say that they're not innocent, I still don't think they've done anything wrong. I still don't think that if, if you force them to be sneaky, you have forced them to be sneaky. If someone came up to you out of nowhere, I'm shopping at Walmart, minding my own damn business, and someone says, Kenner, will you sign these 10? I'll give you three grand if you sign these 10,000 pieces. Oh, I can't. My radio station says I can't do that unless you... The ladies, when a guy has a few drinks and later gets pulled over for buzz driving, that could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. There goes let's grab dinner and a movie. Oh, I know. You drive more carefully when you're buzzed. You've proven that hundreds of times. A woman admires that kind of confidence. And you've practiced how to speak if a cop does pull you over. Slowly, clearly, and politely. Lightly like, good evening, officer. A woman admires that kind of foresight. And what woman doesn't find it adorable that you call it buzzed even though the law calls it drunk? You can kiss $10,000 goodbye, along with any chance of having a girlfriend. Because nothing says, I'm a catch, more than a guy who lives in his parents' basement and calls... Man, and the Browns fan! Good Lord have mercy. I don't know what the hell to do with y'all. I really don't. It's the Justin Horse they are. The Max Kellerman Show, weekdays at 2 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Watch exclusively on ESPN+. And ESPN Radio Extra Point. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. I thought Coach K would coach for another, I don't know, four or five years because he's still filled with venom and passion about the sport. Like, this is his craft that he's so dedicated to in every former facet. Everyone. I was even more shocked that... 
it was going to be John Shire. And I love John Shire. And, and the coach in waiting. He's coach in waiting. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm extremely happy for John Shire. I just wasn't expecting it to be John. But I've also called John, you know, a young Brad Stevens. I've been calling him that uh, since he's gotten into the coaching ranks because he's a savant. Like, he's kind of low-key kept. He's a genius, man. There are a lot of names, Mike Bray, Notre Dame, other names that maybe you would have thought before John Shire. Mm -hmm. But after having time to kind of think through it and settle with the fact that this is going to be Coach K's last year, uh, I couldn't have asked for a better person to take the mantle. It's time for some straight talk. Sure, saving money feels good. But cutting your wireless bill in half, that feels really good. Like walk-off home run in the ninth inning kind of good. Okay, maybe not that good, but pretty darn good. With Straight Talk, you can get 25 gigs of high-speed data for 45 bucks a month, up to 50% less than the other guys. Plus, no contract. All in America's best networks. Why pay a whole lot when you can pay half? Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. It's so on. The Sirius XM Listen Free event is happening now. Just press the sad button in your car to hear over 100 channels, including ad-free music of every kind, plus sports play-by-play -play and talk and news for everyone. Enjoy even more free when you download the SXM app. Hear expertly curated podcasts, ad-free extra channels of music for any mood, Sirius XM video, and the ability to create your own Pandora music stations. Don't miss out. Listen free now. He's always there. He's always been the mentor, always been the leader. He's one of those guys that once you commit to him, he commits to you. So obviously he's a Hall of Fame coach with tons of accolades, and we can sit here all day and talk about the gold medals, the championships, but he's a Hall of Famer in life, and that's what makes Coach K so special, and that's what's going to be missed. The ACC Network's Carlos Boozer on Greening with Mike Greenberg. Lakers star Anthony Davis, a game-time decision in a must-win in Game 6 tonight of the NBA first-round playoff series versus the Suns. 10 Eastern ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. The decision, if he plays, will be made by the team's medical staff, not Davis. We're back on Friday and reacting to the big game six for my Lakers. We'll tell you how important this game is for King James and his future in L.A. Will he actually leave or will he recruit more players? Friday morning on Keyshawn, J. Will and Zubin, ESPN Radio. And Golic Jr. I know it's an uncomfortable thing because the Lakers fans have that standard. Face off the screen, so you can say what you need to say. Right, listen, you can go ahead and exit the screen for a second, Chanae. Wilmer K is not associated with the nature of this take. But all I would say, Chanae, is what would be the best thing for a team right now who knows what the standard is? It is championship or not in Los Angeles. And the way this team has looked and the trajectory they're on injury-wise doesn't look like one that has a championship ceiling. Not with the way teams are looking in the Eastern Conference this year. And so if they lost in this...
this round, you'd have a longer offseason than they would have going into a quick turnaround this next year. That's all I'm saying is it might actually help. No one ever wants to lose and no one ever wants to not be contenders for a championship, especially with the expectation of the Lakers. But if health is an issue, you should not risk the future of your franchise in Anthony Davis. Janae and Goalie June. ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and you can watch us on ESPN+. Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests are going to join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Mike Golick Jr. and Monica McNutt, we got about a half hour until we get to talk to Sean Kelly, who's part of our great ESPN radio broadcast crew. Going to be on the call for Lakers and Suns tonight as the Lakers got to try and force a Game 7 in this one. And uh, Monica, our ESPN Hoops analyst, was kind enough to fill in for Chene Agumake today. Saw, by the way, Neka Agumake going to be out for a little bit of time right now. Chene out a little bit as well. So we wish the Agumake sisters speedy recovery right now as the spark season just got into the win column this past weekend. Definitely. It's a, it's, you know what? Olympic break. Don't worry about it. Mm. Our girls going to be back after the Olympic break. Well, Neca might be playing out. We got to see how that all plays out. But they're going to be back. They're going to be healthy. They get extra time this year. They're going to be good. We're not worried about it. As we've reminded everybody, it is a long season right now. We uh -huh. are just at the beginning of this. It is a marathon, not a sprint. And so we're going to keep grinding to that point. And when I say we are going to keep grinding, I mean when Shanae comes here, we are going to shower her with love, care, yes. and affection because she is the one yes. actually out there doing any of yes. the hard work. And so all the hard work. That is that is what she has got in front of them. And we, and we talked about this with her yesterday. The city of Los Angeles right now is tense on the basketball front for that reason, right? Because when you look at their basketball teams right now, certainly the Sparks, as she mentioned, didn't get off to the start they wanted this season, but starting to get into form now, going to have to battle through this. We know the Clippers are on the verge right now, down 3-2 in a series against the Dallas Mavericks. And then we got what's coming up tonight, Monica. We got the Lakers and the Phoenix Suns heading out here tonight. And... I'm just going to say this. For a team that defensively all year, even when Anthony Davis went down, even when LeBron James was out, still maintained its status as one of the best in the entire league, if not the best in the league, I was baffled at the way the Suns just took them out behind the woodshed in Game 5. So, Monica, what are you expecting tonight? Like, is it is it just as simple as LeBron James has to approach this game with a different mindset? I, I don't think it's that simple, Golik. I really don't. I mean, I'm looking at the box score from the other night. And granted... Pretty much a routing from uh, start to finish. But LeBron had 24. You got 15 from Kuz on 6 of 13. Let's see. Taylor Horn Tucker had 11, and that's it in terms of guys that were in double figures. Um, so, I just, you know, I, we say you can't cheat the game, right? And what Phoenix has in the intangible category. They've been together almost all season. They certainly were together down the stretch. They have continuity. They have confidence. And they are good. We, people keep talking about this series as if Phoenix limped into this position having to come through a, a play-in. Nah. They were your legitimate two-seed contending for a one-seed. Um, so I think it's, there's more to it than LeBron playing well. Like, the Lakers need to play well as a unit, and they really need to get Anthony Davis back on the floor. We keep talking about the changing of the guard and these young guys arriving. DeAndre Ayton has been legit. And you heard Ohm talk about it when he came through earlier in the show. Uh, Devin Booker, we knew about his scoring prowess. So 
the defense that was top rated in the league in terms of efficiency, that's the formula that has to show up. And they've got to figure out a way to slow the Suns down because right now they're rolling. You're right. They they didn't limp into this series, but I think some of the interesting front, I wouldn't say even frustration with this, Monica, but the unfortunate thing they've got as a comparison in the East right now is what did we see all season long from the Brooklyn Nets? We saw them not on the floor at the same time, star mm -hmm. players injured, just getting down to the postseason. And now they're starting to get healthy at the right time. And now they're starting to play together. And I think a lot of us looked at the Lakers and thought, all right, Anthony Davis had come back before the start of the postseason mm -hmm. and started to look like himself a little bit. You get LeBron back off this rest. Maybe they can peak at the right time like that, too. And instead, it's been setbacks now. And instead, it culminated in that Game 5 performance that we've seen. That's been the tough part of all this. Yeah, most of us, myself included. I mean, we we discussed this on Around the Horn. We discussed this on a very platform. I mean, if you check the record, <laughs> which people keep trying to throw in my face about the Knicks Hawks thing, but it's fine. I took the I did take the Lakers in this series, assuming that they would be healthy. But now, you know, I, I think the LeBron James trust and the AD trust was in the two together, alone, and arguably not at a hundred percent. I don't have the same amount of trust and. DeAndre Ayton in particular, that's been my guy this series, like, has risen to the occasion and solidified that he's here to stay and can hang. Like, he's been one of the more efficient players on the field this season during the regular season that has continued into the postseason, whether it was AD in spots or Andre Drummond guarding him, like... <laughs> My man is getting off. Like, he could care less. Real bohemian energy, like, get out my way. This is easy, cool. Easy, breezy, cool, right? Um, so, I understand how we all got here. And, and that's fine. Again, I'll admit, I took the Lakers going into the series assuming these guys aren't healthy. But Anthony Davis not being healthy, the Lakers not playing well around LeBron, like, there's no... I, I tell you what, let me. I will phrase it this way. If LeBron can pull this off solo and gets his team out, the rest of, out of this series, another notch in his belt. Because Phoenix is good. Okay, they're a legit two seed. You're right, and this would be the first, uh, the first. Um, uh, why am I forgetting how to phrase playoff this right series. now? The first playoff first series, first round playoff series mm -hmm. that LeBron James would have lost in his entire career. So there's a lot on the line for him. Frank Vogel sat down with the guys, Sean Kelly and John Barry, who are going to be on the call for ESPN Radio tonight. You can hear the entirety of that interview coming up after us, leading up to that game on ESPN Radio. But here's what the Lakers head coach Frank Vogel had to say about what the Lakers are going to need from LeBron James tonight. Well, obviously, we need him to be great. But, you know, I, I think that the balance of shot uh, shot and pass, you know, is, is overstated. Like, we needed him to generate good offense for us every time down. You know what I mean? And we need everybody to support him uh, and knock down shots. You know, but uh, you know, I know one thing, he's going to be super aggressive. And, you know, he's going to make good basketball plays. And, you know, hopefully he's going to get us uh, get us some quality looks that, that can really get the whole group going. And we can, we can beat the Phoenix Suns as a team. Janine Gold Jr. here on ESPN Radio. Mike Gold Jr. and Monica McNutton. LeBron generating quality shots is pretty tough, Monica, when everybody from the Suns can just kind of sit around in the paint. So we saw that happen last game. We know that KCP and Anthony Davis are going to be game-time decisions, true game-time decisions for both mm -hmm. of them. So as you look around this Lakers roster, is there one other player that you think has the best shot of stepping up and giving them some of the relief that they need if LeBron James is going to have to be the one that stirs the drink? I don't know if this answers your question, but I know I was looking at this book score, book score, box score, go like 0 for 9? Dennis Schroeder? Mm. 0 for 9, my dude? A goose egg? Zero points? <laughs> uh, that's not going to get it done. 
Uh, let's see here. Who else got to step up? KCP took a shot, played 15 minutes. Mm. Gasol's one for one, 10 minutes. I mean, Schroeder is the, is the one that's glaring to me. Uh, you turn down all that money, you know, talk your talk, bet on yourself. That's not getting it done. 0 for 9? Wow. Um, I think everybody has to get involved. Come, every, I mean, there is, there are few playmakers quite like LeBron. So if he's setting the table and you're just not getting it done, oh, that's just, that's just not going to work. That's just not going to work. Um, so again, for me, if I think this team has to find its defensive identity again and allow that side of the ball to help them generate some offense because Dayton, this box score stink, that performance of day stink, LeBron left early because they all stink, like mm -mm, stink, stink, stink. Yeah, no, how much stink? Well, ESPN and Stats and Info was actually able to quantify some of that stench. <laughs> the Lakers shot 34.5%, their worst in a game since LeBron joined the team in 2018-2019 in that game five absolute beatdown at the hands of the Suns and Contavious Caldwell Pope and Ken, uh, Dennis Schroeder when a combined 0 for 10 from the floor per Elias since starters became official in 1970-71 no pair of starting guards has ever gone 0 for 10 or worse in a postseason game so if you want to spin it one way it can't get much worse than what we saw in game five or can it? We will talk to Sean Kelly in just a little bit about that. But coming up next, I want to go to the exact opposite of Sting. The best thing that we might have seen in sports this entire week Ooh. was the performance of one man who needs to get the hell out of where he's at. That's next here on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. Coming up Friday, we're talking NBA playoffs with someone who knows Anthony Davis very well. It's former Pelicans coach Alvin Gentry at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. That should be interesting. Keyshawn, J. Will and Zubin on ESPN this is Cheney and Golick Jr. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control of your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank accounts, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problem now by calling the experts at U.S. Tax Shield and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. U.S. Tax Shield offers a price protection guaranteed quote to get you protected today. U.S. Tax Shield is A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, so call now. 800-687-5192. That's 800-687-5192. U.S. Tax Shield. 800-687-5192. Thank you. 